You're listening to the D-Bad Movement. This is the Don't Be a Dickhead podcast with me, John Gilbert. Me, Ian Thompson. And me, Alex King. Welcome along. Hey. hey. Hello. Here we are. A round of applause. Because it's performances. Ah, that's assuming the performance went well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be talking today about performance on stage. And we've got, in our presence, Alex, a bit of a celebrity. We do. I know. Mm. You're welcome. Comedy Exciting. royalty. Yeah. And amongst other talents. Yeah. But before we delve into Ian's illustrious career and active dickheadery, let's start with something that we can all probably access. Let's talk about school performances, so like school play, the nativity, and so on. Did you ever tread the boards, Alex, at Eastfield Primary School? I really can't remember what was it, my nativity. You said you were a slave. No, that wasn't in the nativity. (laughs) (laughs) That was in. I don't remember them in the um, no. No, you said you was a slave. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to go to school. Yeah, I play about the slave trade, and I was a slave. But that wasn't definitely not. I imagine a lot of you were. Yeah, (laughs) it was just one slave. It was also William Wilberforce. Yeah, yeah. Didn't get cast as him. No, no. No, unfortunately. But yeah. That's, I think that's the only thing I can remember ever performing. Actually, we did a pop mime as well. What's a pop mime? Like mime lip-sync to battle. a song. Like yeah, and you do like a performance so on stage. So you guys like, like pioneered the lip-sync battle like 20 years yeah. ago or whatever. Well, 15 years we ago. We did it to Hey Baby. Ooh, hey, uh, yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. We came second. I want to know. That was on the list last, uh, last week for music, wasn't it? Yeah, one of the most annoying songs of all time. <laughs> Fitting. <laughs> Can you remember what beat you? There was, it was a girl on her own. I'm sure she was doing like a rock song. Oh. I think it was We Will Rock You. Really? Yeah. When and I, I was, really, really hated it. When I was young, my, me, and my <laughs> friend, me and my friend Neil Buchan, we did a similar thing where I played, I think it was something like Dirty Diana by Michael Jackson, badly on a inexpensive synth. And he danced and lip synced to it. I can't remember how we did, but that was in a talent contest. We practiced it loads. We, I remember practicing because it was with my friend Luke and my other friend Roxanne. So it was just like three of us, and he was in the middle, and he was tiny then. And we'd like do a dance where we'd both like roll into him, like yeah. in the middle. It was oh, great. Yeah. And he'd be like, "Hey, baby!" Like yeah, sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah, Loved sounds good because you actually brought life to the lyrics. We did. Well, I like that. Mm. That's what I'd say if I was on the X Factor panel. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Have you never been asked to judge a primary school no. lip sync battle? No, but I was once asked to judge a talent contest at a secondary school in Hull with my friend Lisa. And I'd forgotten about it, and Lisa reminded me of it the other week. Me and Lisa literally just cried with laughter through it all. And the kids must have been really, really, really offended. Because like, it got to the point where we were just openly laughing and crying at them. Oh, you see, I've been a panellist on several competitions before and I haven't been laughing on the way through. And the problem is, they've been comedy competitions. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really hard because I've done ones where you're like up on the side of the stage so the yeah. audience can see you see. as well. And if you're not enjoying it, I mean, if you're in the audience, it's fine. But I'm just like, do I fake laugh? Do what you do pretend? I do? You've got um, to. When, when, well, I've done ones where they come to you for instant feedback and they're looking at you with, like, with this little look in their eye yeah. going, did you, did you like it? And I'm, I've told ones that I didn't think it was quite right and they need to work on the materials. I've not gone there. That shit. Shit. I know. Maybe I should have just said everybody was amazing because nothing qualifies me to be a judge of a 
stand up comedy say, why company. Are you with because it is the um, creator of Hull Comedy Festival. Yeah, yeah, founder, yeah, you are, founder yeah, you of a comedy funny, festival. Yeah. I mean, I, I can talk very briefly, but I mean, I, I've done stand up comedy once. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast. But shall I? Um, shall I perform some of my opening jokes yeah. for you? Christ, that's good. Excuse me, Mr. Thompson, will you give me an opportunity? Yeah. Just give me a chance. It might surprise you how good it is. I mean, it might also not. Um, I mean, it's been about 10 years since I did it. and I, I thought cannot... that was part of a joke. No, 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 no. So, so can you um, can you be the compare, Ian? Can you um, welcome me on stage, please? I don't have a stage name, it's just my real okay, name. Okay, this next act is uh, a man we've been touring all around England. Uh, he's one of my best friends. And um, please, he's a very funny man. Give it up for John Gilbert. Hello, everybody. Right, so I've, I've just realised something before I begin that... My opening joke is topical from something that happened about 12 years ago, so you might have to use your imagination. So, I see Al-Fayed has sold Harrods, um, <laughs> but he can't lay his hands on the money because, being a Muslim, he was told, you can't draw the profit, Mohammed. That's all right. Yeah. I went to Harrods once, and I said, oh, I need a, a music system so I can listen to my music. And they said, oh, yeah, you want to try a Sony? I said, oh, yeah, I hear they're good. He said, yeah, Sonys are fine, but the only problem is is that they harpoon whales. And I said, oh, that sounds like a dodgy Japanese stereotype to me. Nice. So, And uh-huh. then and then, this, then the, the act continues. So my opening jokes were a Muslim <laughs> Muslim joke and then a racist joke. Oh. What what a great way to, uh, there you to go. give to it start. up, John Gilbert. Hey. No, really, John Gilbert, give it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Most frightening experience of my life. I was only yeah. supposed to do five minutes. I significantly did. You get many laughs. No, mm. I imagine it's horrific. I've never done stand up. I imagine couldn't think horrific. of anything worse. Mm. I felt like I wanted the audience to know that I'd never done it before. But then if they knew that, then that would mess with the psychology of it. But mm. yeah. I had done. So See, I like, built you up well, saying that like you were touring all around Britain. Well, this yeah, this is true. I've gigged twice. Once was in Bridlington, but that was to an audience largely comprised of my friends and family who knew that this was the first time I'd done it, and it was everybody on the bill apart from the compare had never done it before. So it was a very supportive environment. And then doing it in a comedy club where they were they paid actual real money and we were expecting you to be quality was terrifying, and um, not something I wish to. Uh, Wish to do it ever again? Would you not do it again? Well, I have performed in comedy clubs since with my touring show Captivated, which was a cross between a sketch and a play because it was about 28 minutes long or 30 minutes long if we got laughs. Um, so usually it was about 28 now. It, was, yeah, it went down well, actually. But that was all scripted. And because I was playing a character, that wasn't terrifying. It's just and this the idea would be yourself. Scripted piece, I think, no, scripted. that's right. No, that's right. And, and songs. Pe- like the stuff that you do, comedy wise, Ian. I mean, it's, mm. it's character pieces. And I don't know whether you find because although your character is an exaggeration of yourself, I mean, like the, the late homosexuality and um, the uh, <laughs> indecent exposure and such like that that you often do. Um, but he's called Ian, so we don't use our imagination too too much. But because you're hiding behind a character, hopefully you've got a bit of insulation the from negative feedback. Yeah, it wasn't me; it was Ian. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you ever do um, school productions? I did do school Imagine productions. You, yeah, you couldn't get you off the stage. Well, but the thing is, you know, like they didn't particularly like me. I never used to get good parts. I always used to go to the ones who were best at football. <laughs> so, like in Blast Off, I wanted to play the main part, and Mark Moss got it. Aww. I think something like that. Anyway, 
Was Blastoff a play about football? No, 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 no. It was a play about a school. It was like a musical. I mean, Mark Moss was good. Right, he was good at football. <laughs> By heck. But, um, but yeah, I just played the caretaker. I think I only had one line. Until the day, 1989, I auditioned to be in Bugsy Malone at the New Theatre. And I got a main part in that. Not the main part, but a main part. And all of a sudden, my school gave me the main part in the Pied Piper of Hamelin. Wow. As the Pied Piper? As the Pied Piper of Hamelin. I have paper clippings at home I can bring in uh, of me in my colourful spandex. <laughs> nice. Oh, that sounds good. We should post that on social media. When good. do you decide that that's what you want to do? Like, my spandex? No, like perform. <laughs> it's usually late at night when I'm drunk. <laughs> like was it when you were young you like wanted to perform for when you was really young? Like we used to do performances for our mums and dads. Oh uh, yeah, and, me and my sister. And neighbours. We used to do the entirety of Joseph and his amazing technical dream cut. Which probably went... <laughs> Probably went on for about an hour, three quarters, two hours, and we used to make oh, the adults. No. Make, we used to turn off all the um, lights in the back room, and we'd do it in there and make all the adults hold torches for the entire two hours on us. Gosh, that's dickheadery. This is when <laughs> yeah. children are dickheads. Well, my parents yeah. did enjoy it. Excellent. Nice. Uh, I, I think it is an act of dickheadery on children when they make you. It's one of the like the worst things you can hear. Is you want to come and see my show? I've done a show. Oh, is it? Do you think? Have you ever enjoyed a show that's been like semi-improvised by untalented children? I've never really. Or am I being a dickhead for not tolerating it? My kids are two boys who have done the show thing more when their cousins are around, and I used to do them as well. Used to make the babysitter watch them, and it was pure dickheadery because our shows were shit. (laughs) (laughs) At least the babysitter was getting paid to watch them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we would play "Take My Breath Away" by Berlin, Mm. and the which is quite a long song, and so so it was the the on-running gag for four minutes was my brother and I running up to each other as though we were going to high five or hug, and then always just missing each other, and we would just do that back and forth as though it was the most hilarious thing that ever was. Very dickheads. Yeah. 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 Um, As a child, my. I suppose my performance debut was, as it's for many children, as part of the nativity, in which I played one of the two wise men in which our one? local church. I uh, the, I one of the two? Yeah. There were three wise men originally. Um, however, when we were waiting in the wings, just about to go on stage, it turned out, turned around and saw that my friend Philip had pissed himself. So we were faced with a dilemma of what do we do? Do we have the, the two wise men in the incontinent man, or do we just just go? It's just the two of us. So, I, so we yeah, braved through it and went to see Baby Jesus. Song, I'm Melchior, I'm Casper, and I am Balthazar. Oh no! No, we, we probably I was just Casper. We were shit, so we probably had like my line would have been, "Here is your mare." Here is your gold. Yeah. And also frankincense from, you get two from me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But my lasting childhood memory of the nativity was at my primary school where the little receptions kids come out as shepherds. They always like dress them, dress them as shepherds yeah. and sheep, don't they? The, yeah. the little ones. And yeah. this lad just got his todger out and just stood there <laughs> and played with it in front of the parents for the duration of the play, which to everybody's hilarity. And it was so yeah on stage and like the the poor kids who were like playing like Mary and Joseph and 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 so on like people were just like laughing all the time and they could tell that they were just like what's going on what's going on and he was just um, fiddling with his little sausage and and um, well I think, no one stops him. well I think they did try and stop him he just wanted to be three and uh, and they took him Aww. off yeah I imagine they took him off stage eventually yeah that's all I remember a child's penis. <laughs>
that's, that's, that's the, me- the message of the, of the nativity. <laughs> Remember, I was a child myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, modern nativity, they have, like, Spider-Man and shit like that. I mean, who's to say that a shepherd getting his cock out yeah. didn't happen in the Bible? It's more likely than more Spider-Man. Likely, yeah. Yeah. King James probably took it out, but in, in an original version. Yeah. It was free wise, Ben. Um, gold, frankincense, and mare. And what have you brought? Uh, do you want to see my cock? <laughs> oh, dear. So, Ian, we've alluded to, to you being on stage performing mm. have you experienced any dickheadery and have you been guilty of any i've definitely been guilty of dickheadery i think i've got a few things written down here one of them was when we used to occasionally at the theater company i went to we do like so fundraise we'd do 24-hour shows where we'd turn up on the friday night from 7 30 on the friday night you'd start a show and then you'd perform it at 7 30 the following night and you'd work throughout the night and the day and one year we did a tom Lehrer review and one of the songs i had to sing in it was called like the wild west of smart uh, and um i didn't learn it um and so i got on stage and all the audience who'd paid to come and see this for charity <laughs> then they saw me come on stage i stood there the music started and i went along the trail you'll find me loping <laughs> and then for the next two and a half minutes whistled the tune for the entire song because I couldn't remember the words and then once I remembered the words I couldn't pick it back up again so I just kept whistling and whistled <laughs> just whistled at them for two and a half minutes not very well um, so that's that was, some whistling that is quite good yeah. 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 yeah yeah so yeah so that, that was definitely an act of dickheadery from me lack of preparation yeah another act of dickheadery was when I hadn't been doing it for very long and we did a summer school and in the, the summer school was Superboy and Duncan Brown Duncan Brown was playing one of the baddies and at one point Duncan Brown had to be spying on someone and I had to creep up behind him and hit him over the head with a baseball bat now they didn't give me a fake baseball bat they just gave me a real one oh God. and we'd never gone through this properly because it was like it was a summer school you did it all in a week we'd never sort of really gone through it with the props properly I think I always just assumed I'd have a fake baseball bat so I just went on stage and panicked and just hit him over the head with a baseball bat at which point he went down which he was supposed to but then he didn't get up <laughs> And I'd run off again by this point. And there's just two, two of the women who worked there going, did you actually hit him? And I was like, yes, but I, I mean, I don't, I, didn't, I don't think I hit him that hard. I did. And they're like, well, he's not getting back up again. Should we go on and get him? I was like, I don't know. At which point I think I started crying. And then eventually someone went on and just like helped him off in a blackout, helped him off stage as he was concussed on the floor because I just hit him over the head with a baseball bat. I think the good thing was that at the last second, I withdrew some of the power. Like, just thinking through in my head, like, surely can't just, like, get hit over the head with a baseball bat on stage and be fine just because you're acting. So I think I sort of, like, withdrew a bit of power. Yeah. How old was you? Sorry. Did you say- oh, like, probably about 12, something like that. Okay. Well, you want to be careful, because we know from the school's episode of Deep Bad that Ian can just injure people just with the merest of hand motions. Yeah. yeah. So give him a weapon. You yeah, could have been exactly. deadly. Exactly, yeah. In, in a similar event, fast forward to 1997, and I was at the Edinburgh Festival doing A Clockwork Orange. Now, A Clockwork Orange was made into a play by Anthony Burgess, who wrote the book. And in it, he decided to add a couple of songs. That's neither here nor there. But really? Just letting you know. Yeah, weirdly. 
he added like a few songs. We didn't do them all. We just picked like three of them out to do. Look at my um, nose extension. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, it was weird because in order to be able to do it, we had to ring like his wife or something like that and ask for permission. I like, had to ring her in Spain. Uh, that was how you managed to get the rights to do it. She said, like, you can do it for free. Like, the estate doesn't want any money. You can do it. Uh, he was dead. So, um, so anyway, so we went up to Edinburgh, just to explain why it was his wife and not him. Um, so we went up to Edinburgh and we're doing this show. So before you carry on, right, Alex, do you reckon any of this is going to come relevant to the payoff of this story? Probably um, not, no. Right, okay. It's definitely not. So there's the bit when Beethoven's uh, fifth is playing really loudly and he goes crazy towards the end. It's right at the very end. And I had to like basically just like smash up the stage. And um, and I grabbed this bin at one point, And it was like, you know, one of those old bins that hobos in like 1930s America had where they cut holes in them and had fires in them. It was like one like that. But it meant it had loads and loads of ripped metal on it where the holes were. And I grabbed it, pushed it over and just ripped my hand open on it. Now, I'm not very good with blood at the best of times. Anyway, finished that scene, came off stage, and I was like, I need something for my hand, I need something for my hand, I've cut my hand. And so someone like, gave me a bit of a T-shirt or something, and I wrapped up my hand in it. Then I started to feel really dizzy and queasy. So anyway, I went on stage, and I had a monologue to do at the end, and then I started the song that then got everyone else on for the bows. And I said the first line of the monologue, then looked up at the lighting guy, said the last line of the monologue... The music started playing and I just looked to the side of the stage and then just passed out face first into the floor. And, um, and But I was, I'd sort of managed to walk a little bit of the way towards the wings. So there was just a stage there with just my legs sticking out at the side and the audience going, well, that monologue didn't make any sense. And why isn't anyone singing to this song? At which point then my legs just got dragged off stage <laughs> by someone in the wings. And then only about half of the cast walked on and bowed. And the audience was just like clapping, really confused about what had just happened at the end of the show. Good way to finish it all. Yeah. Although, I mean, it sounds like you had your wits about you to realise what was going to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was used to passing out. Yeah. True professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that same show, there was obviously various bits where people had to get beaten up. And instead of like planning what we were going to do, we literally just used to beat each other up with like chains and sticks and ropes and things like that. But the music quite often would be so loud that you wouldn't hear people just screaming like, ah, get off me, you bastard. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so that was okay. But one of the reviews said, uh, despite the wildly unchoreographed fight scenes where, uh, where the reviewer said he feared for his life. <laughs> Well, hang on a minute. We doesn't know that wasn't choreographed. It well, could no, have just no, been very well choreographed. Yeah. I think it's probably really obvious that a lot of people were getting very hurt on stage. We used to compare bruises every night. Mm. I once had, I used to have a picture, I don't know where it's gone now, but I used to have a picture of me showing the side of me um, after a show. And you could see each individual chain link on my body wrapped around the full body where someone had whipped me with a chain and it had gone around me and it had left, you know, like Did welts. you enjoy it? No, I didn't enjoy Why it. Why did you all want to hurt each other? It was just fun. It was just like, we were only young. We were just having fun, weren't we? Because oh, if someone got you, then you knew that later in the show they were going to get an absolute pounding. <laughs> because there'd be another point where they got to get their own back. <laughs> all this like whipping each other with chains and yeah. like Hello. really loose innuendos yeah. that are just uh, <laughs> nipping in here. <laughs> oh, I missed those. Days. I mean, when you think about it, that lad who you whipped with a baseball bat went down. What a pussy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He should have been comparing his bruises at the end of the show. <laughs> 
So, Alex, you say you haven't really done this performance, but <clears throat> have you done like karaoke and anything like that? You... Um, when I'm a bit drunk, I will. I'll never do it on my own. Maybe in a group of people. I'm not a performer. It fills me with dread, actually, at the thought of being on like a stage. Okay, well, I mean, I've got nothing just... to add. <clears throat> Next. <laughs> well, well, you do have something to add because you're an audience member, and, and the, the conduct of the audience, who can be dickheads at times, is is really important. And you're so. performing right now. Am I? It's well, like public speaking performing. Not I think so. Public I think speaking so, yeah. right now. Yeah, that doesn't it scare me as much as the thought of like getting up on stage and playing a character. Yeah. See, a lot of people do the way around, don't they? Mm. Yeah, we'd rather play. Well, because I know I'm not a good speak. actor, I'm a good singer, or anything. Yeah, I um, believed my own hype on public speaking, and it bit me in the ass, and I deserved it. So. My public speaking has been at like local business events, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. That I think people think that I'm completely fearless at doing these things, but actually I'm terrified. Um, but I've got better with it over time. And I was due to give a presentation at a a business event. The business secretary was there, and just before I went on stage, uh, I had ten minutes originally. They just said, "You haven't got ten minutes. You've got three. Right. So I'd prepared my beginning, mm. middle, and end of my speech. So. Effectively, what I did is I cut out all of the substance, but just left the jokes in. Because it had been such a boring event up until then. And it probably did me a favour that I lacked any substance to the point I was actually going to make. And off the back of that, people got asked me to compare their stuff at at business events, going, who do we know who who will do it in a bit more of a light-hearted way and will probably do it for free? So I was on my ascendancy here. Here comes the fall, as, as with any story. Then I got asked to do a business breakfast event and I obviously had misread this situation that at 8 o'clock in the morning people are not up for laughing um, dis- despite um, particularly an event where they, they were turned up and they were gutted because there was no breakfast and everybody was expecting breakfast and I came on stage like well I just it was just like tumbleweed oh. but I was so committed to what I was doing I was like what do I do do I just go you're not feeling this are you anywhere the next speaker or do I keep going anywhere I kept going Hold but I on. felt like such a prat afterwards it's just like I died on my ass, and um, it wasn't a com- I was treating it like a comedy gig thing where it's just most people just looked a bit confused like what's happening so, so I was like hyping everybody up with humour and then the next guy came on to tell his story which was about how he was battling depression <laughs> in his business and it just it just jarred so much yeah, at least I'd learnt my lesson and every segue between them was just straight to the point yeah let's cut the banter <laughs> That sounds very similar to when we got asked to do the FEO event. Were you at that one? Well, this there's was a, an FEO event where right, I died on my a, This is a thing like in Hull uh, called For Entrepreneurs Only, where they have these breakfast uh, meetings where it's like a chance for networking. They often get a guest speaker on or an actor, something like that. And they once asked our comedy group to go up and do something. And we were like, I really don't think people are going to want this at eight o'clock in the morning. And the, 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 the person who was head of it was like, no, no, they're going to love it. Don't worry about it. So we went up. Incidentally, com- listener, if you don't know, Ian's comedy group are called the Live Naked Idiots. Yeah. And so, so we'll we, have raised a few yeah. eyebrows amongst this conservative business group. Yeah. We went up complete with me dressed as a, as a Native American <laughs> with a strap on on. Um, and we went up and entertained these business people at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, I mean, it, to be honest, it was a split room. Some people, like um, James at Strawberry, absolutely loved it. Um, but then, then, then some people just, were just looking, thinking, like, what on earth have I signed up for here? Uh, well, so the audience do have a role. To, anything that I've done that's, that's humour led, if the audience don't laugh, as far as I'm concerned, they're the dickheads. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that. Yeah. 
Well, if you're not smart enough to, yeah. to get that joke. The other thing is, I mean, you've got a lot more experience of doing um, comedy performance than I have. But it is strange that you could do exactly the same performance and the audience will laugh in completely different places. Yeah. And sometimes it's just like, I just think that was really clever, that joke we've done, and get nothing. And then you just make a silly noise and they're all just laughing their heads off. I mean, I'm, obviously, it's highbrow with some of your stuff. <laughs> uh, talking about audiences, um, being dickheads as well. So, a theatre company from Hull did a, an all male version of a sweet charity, the musical. Uh, and it was set in a, a, a gay club. And well, it was one of the worst shows I've ever, ever, ever seen. <laughs> uh, I actually went and filmed it. And I said to the guy who had asked me to do it, I said, I, I, I'm not going to film it properly because I'll be honest, I can't be bothered. And I felt like I should go and see it anyway because I knew them. Were so you being I said, paid? No. Oh, good. So I said, I'll so just, I'll just come and watch it. <laughs> I'll come and watch it. Um, I'll just bring a camera along and lock it off so, so you've got an archive of it. Anyway, I could never give him the final thing <laughs> because all the way through I forgot there was a camera and there was just me going, Christ, <laughs> all the way through that you could hear. Anyway, I've, I've, in 2011, they took it up to the Edinburgh Festival and I've found the broadwaybaby.com a review of it. Northern Theatre Company take the classic musical Sweet Charity and transpose it into the gay scene of modern-day New York with an almost entirely male cast. Young rent boy and hired dancer Charity decides he's tired of life as a prostitute and goes out in search of true love. Set against the backdrop of a filthy urinal, Sweet Charity is one of the most offensive and utterly horrendous shows I've ever seen. What's most irritating is the overarching lack of direction. What were the audience supposed to be thinking? Is it intended to be a ghastly stereotype of homosexuality? How did the scene in the Roman spa ever get past the editing? Why are they miming props? Why does a character come on in jeans and a hoodie halfway through? Are we supposed to empathise with the infuriatingly tawdry charity? Are we supposed to empathise with the young actors who looked like they wanted the ground to open up and swallow them in every scene? I saw this on its opening night and a lot of things went wrong. Not willing to review it on such a shoddy performance I attended on the second night. If anything, it was worse. Sweet Charity contains every outdated gay stereotype there is. It is poorly researched and downright awful. It suffices to say that if a rating of no stars was available, Sweet Charity would be struggling to fight its way out of negative figures. The acting is limp and unremarkable. The dancing is unimaginative boring and executed with zero precision. The singing is often out of time and tune and lacks the vitality of the once vivid and energetic musical that is now forever sullied in my mind. The less said about the diabolical synthesizer that accompanies every number the better this theatrical travesty is truly unabashedly awful yeah there we go they wow. say charity begins at home it should have stayed there if you want to go and see cringe of the fringe don't forget to feel thankful that you're not one of the poor boys roped into this frankly embarrassing show now the reason i brought that up about the audience was that what used to happen is in edinburgh if you're a performer i don't think it happens anymore but it used to then you can get into any show more or less for free and you just show your performance pass and they let you in. So what used to happen was like people started hearing about this show and hearing like it apparently is one of the worst things that's ever been on in Edinburgh. So people used to start turning up for free and going. And eventually they started getting really good audiences, mostly in there for free, because the show turned into a drinking game. And a lot of the papers oh, printed the wow. rules of the drinking game, whereby whenever someone forgot to bring a prop on you took a sip if someone forgot a line you took a sip if someone came in at the wrong point in a song you took a sip if something else happened you downed your drink and there's various rules about what you had to do because it was so bad oh. it was amazing 
I mean, I wonder how you'd feel about that. Would, yeah. would you, I mean, I've I've seen the the movie, the Disaster Artist, about right. the uh, the movie, The Room, which is well considered to be the worst movie of all time. And there's a bit at the end of it where I think Tommy Wishy, I think he's called. He, everybody's laughing at his film, and then he kind of at the end goes, "Aha! That's what I meant it to be like all of the time." And yes, you yes, you understand my great joke about my film. I wonder if the director yeah. felt the same. I don't think he did. Oh. And it was awful. How does oh, it yeah. work? That hasn't it got to get past some sort of? No, the Edinburgh Fringe card. No, no, there's the no Edinburgh quality Fringe control. Much do anything. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. It was incredible, incredible. I just wish people could have seen it. Oh. More people. Oh. You should have recorded it. Yeah. You see, uh, I mean, I'm... it wasn't too far off your nativity. There's one point where all the lads got their cocks out. <laughs> <laughs> I went to watch um, Puppetry of the Penis once. Yeah. They were not embarrassed little cocks. I didn't realise that the audience would be largely comprised of women and gay men. I just thought... What is it? I've never heard of that. Puppetry of the Penis. It's a, I think it's Australian um, comedy yeah. show where they just act out different comedy sketches but with they, we've, they've drawn little faces on their willies and they yeah. just pull a little bit of string up and down and they're caught that that's moving and talking it was all right i mean i've been less entertained it, came, it came up to Edinburgh for quite a few years in a row didn't it back in like the early 2000s yeah so. we were going to put it on in the comedy festival once at the university and they wouldn't accept it really mm, but yeah i think the um the audience feedback and by the way when i've been to a live naked idiots you've been very well reviewed in fact i went on Having done our show with a BBC presenter, I went on the radio the next day and all he talked about was how amazing you guys were. I think audience feedback is really important and if done incorrectly, it can be total dickheadery. I remember doing something, I came off stage and they went, Way, well, I thought it was good. <laughs> and stressed the eye. Yeah. So, like, nobody else did. Yeah. But I'm, like, I'm pretty sure I'm like grounded enough to know yeah. whether or not an audience has enjoyed yeah. this. And yeah. I think they did. I mean, I'm glad you thought it was good, but I didn't need the, well, I thought it was good. <laughs> Maybe it came out A wrong. silent, at least. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did um, a short stint of reviewing comedy as well. Um, I'm not very good at that because I was quite insensitive. Do you remember Piff the Magic Dragon? I remember, yeah. He went and he has a Vegas show. He went and become a really big star, yeah. but before he, he went, was, he went and did America's Got Talent. America's didn't Got he? Talent. I think he won America's mm. Got Talent, and then he got his own Vegas show. But before then, he was doing little places in Hull. And I did a review of Piff the Magic Dragon, and I included lines such as, "I just feel like the dragon suit is to disguise the fact that he doesn't have very good material." Um, well, Piff the Magic Dragon read that, and he was really upset and complained that my review was unfair. Oh and. Um, I mean, who the hell did I think I was? But they did ask me to review the show, and I didn't enjoy it. So, I I mean, I wasn't... I, I, I did, to my credit, say, I think I'm wrong because most people seem to be laughing. Mm. I just couldn't figure out what they were supposed to be laughing at. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. That's fair mm. enough. So, if you've enjoyed the D-Bad podcast, please do rate and review. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should, um, maybe we should that's it as a mission to, to make the world's most hated podcast. Oh, well on our way. Rather than, <laughs> rather than one of... East Yorkshire's most moderately kind of meh podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. East Yorkshire's most average podcast. <laughs> it's an ambition. Um, so I think we do get audience feedback from the performance of, of D Bad. And as a bit of a trail, we're heading now towards the end of season two. Yeah. Usually, yeah. I was expecting the audience go, oh, oh, oh no. Really? Really, yeah, we're heading towards the end of season two and we are going to be, in our next edition, having a bit of a, a, a round-up of sorts, but also a drunk cast. Yay! 
So congratulations to us to get into episode 40-something before we've had to introduce alcohol to the recording. Yeah. We called this in season one about when when is it that we run out of ideas and go, oh, we just got to get pissed and do it. Well, now is that time. There we go. So, um, yeah, so, so please do tune in for that. So what have we learned about performance? We've learned you should keep your penis away. Yeah. Yeah. Don't hit people with... Don't hit, pe- yeah. Yeah. Don't hit people with, with potentially deadly weapons. Yes. If, if Whether possible. it's a baseball bat or a chain. Yeah. <laughs> We've learned that performers have feelings too. Yeah. So maybe if you are going to give them some feedback, um, just be considerate about that. Uh, but also that performers shouldn't be overly self-indulgent. People's time is precious. And just because they're sick of the pay to go and see you, make sure it's good. Yeah. <laughs> or if it's going to be bad, really bad. Leave the mediocrity to the D-Bad podcast <laughs> <laughs> so on that note thank you for listening I've been John Gilbert I've been Ian Thompson I've been Alex King and remember don't, don't be, be a dickhead, dickhead.